Hey, 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 good people. It is me. I'm feeling better, feeling good, feeling great. I hope you are feeling the same way. Thank you so much for joining me, yours truly, Rashawn Ali, for the Cool Sore Podcast. If you have someone in mind or you think you would be a great guest, we'd love to hear from you. Cool at CoolSoreWar.com. Shoot us an email. And speaking of which, if you're interested in any T-shirts or anything like that, CoolSore.com for that as well. All right. Today we are joined by a CoolSore of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And when I tell you I love this interview, it was so just open and candid. I cried um, because I just felt so good speaking to this woman she just has a spirit that radiates and you will understand when you hear Kashana Palmer's story such an amazing episode you will not be disappointed so here she is with love letters to my sorors with Kashana Palmer enjoy you know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself I'm a cool soror Hey y'all, I am a cool soror of What's up y'all, I'm a cool soror of Hi, I am a cool soror of It's the Cool Soror Podcast, hosted by me, Rashawn Ali It is another amazingly cool edition of the Cool Soror Podcast Today we are joined by a very vibrant spirit I love this sister and she's joining us via Skype Kashana Palmer joins us And Kashana, you are a cool soror of Hey, 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 Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated How are you, ma'am? I am doing all right and better now that we are chatting. <laughs> yes, this has been a long time coming and I'm yes, glad ma'am. we have totally made this happen. You are the CEO and founder of Kashana and Company. I love that. Branding your own name. How important was it for you to brand your own name? You know, it was like a lack of creativity at the time, don't you know? <laughs> but- what was in, what was hilarious is that at the time the firm that I worked with worked with me when I was full time in a nonprofit organization and they were like okay Kashana we're coming up with all these different names but we noticed that when we put your name into Google even if we misspell it Google suggests the correct spelling oh wow and so you are just showing up already so even if people misspell your name you'll show up wow that is not the most genius, simple situation. And so that's how Kashana and Co. came to be. And it has been such a blessing because I get to have lots of different types of conversations. Mm-hmm. And for someone like me, who like, I'm, I'm like a career fundraiser, external affairs person. So you are taught very early on, stay humble, yeah. stay quiet. stay in the background it's not about you it's about the mission and so this was about as out as i would ever be and so it has been really really great because there are very few kashanas in the world very few and very few jamaican parents who felt like adding extra shs was about you know me having some flair (laughs) you know i was supposed to be a boy okay and i came out as a girl and i said to my dad daddy you know you just could have named me sean he goes oh my goodness why would i Ever name you a boy's name? No, you must have some flair. And I said, okay, well, flair in 1979. Go ahead. All right. Wow, I absolutely love that. What was it like growing up with Jamaican parents uh, in Queens, New York? Now, you were born. Were you born in Jamaica, and then y'all moved to Queens, or you were born in Queens? Born in Queens. I'm a Queens girl, born and raised. And I did not know I was American until I went to college. What? Right. So number one, I didn't grow up in the like sort of West Indian Brooklyn. I grew up in Queens. So like, you know, bougie Queens girl. Oh, yeah. I have driveways and trees, you know, like that kind of thing. Right. Um, so I was like, oh, I got my car when I was going to college, you know, just kind of shake your head like, oh, yes, that thing. Yeah. But my parents were so um, focused on us not being, quote unquote, American. Uh. So it's all about like, you know, how we ate our breakfast, where we went to church, how we were raised, our mannerisms. My mom had probably like eight or nine years old took my brother and I out one day and sort of like unceremoniously said, so today we're going to learn how to eat properly out in a restaurant so that you don't embarrass me. Oh and I was like, gosh. Oh, all right, here we are. Yeah. And so mm. it was a lot of like, you know, um, loyalty and commitment and honor and duty. And like, just really just like 
focused on your family and mm-hmm. focused on education. Like I didn't know how I was getting to college or what college I was going to, but I just knew you had to go. Yeah. You know, like that. And then I remember my first semester on campus, it, my college looks like Sweet Valley High, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, and so <laughs> I mean, everything you can imagine, that's how my school looked. Um, and I remember going into the cafeteria for the first time and being like, uh, what is this cereal? It comes out of a dispenser. And it was like sugar cereal. I hadn't had it at all growing yeah. up. Yeah. Eat dumpling and yams and, you know, um, ackee and sawfish mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. for breakfast to go to school. Right. So, this concept of like cereal, like I know that sounds silly, y'all, but like that was my life growing up, you know? What? But yeah. how But how thankful are you for your, it sounds like an amazing upbringing. I mean, so good. I think that like everything about who I am right now as a woman, um, as a mom, which has been really important as a business owner, um, as a member of my organization, as a soror, you know, has been sort of like foundationally rooted mm-hmm. in how my parents basically demanded that I show up. Yes. You know? I'm oldest of, of four. So each of my siblings, we all have our own personalities and our own little quirks. But that to me is so consistent. And so when most of the time when people meet me, they're like, oh, my God. You're exactly how I thought you'd be, but better. Yeah, yeah, me too. I thought the same thing. Just looking over your your website is so amazingly loving and friendly. Like as soon as you click on, you're like, oh, I like her. I like her. This is this is awesome. What, who is this? How can I get to know her? <laughs> Literally. And then and then I just knew when you picked up the phone that you would be like this for some reason. Your energy just it radiates through through just your social crazy. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. You know, I can't be anybody else. And one thing, you know, just to, to say that when people meet me and they spend time with me, you'll know, like, my shame level is just real low, Rashawn, like real low. Right. Uh, I think my parents delighted in embarrassing us and making sure we knew we didn't have any rights, you know? And I find myself saying to my daughter, I have a preteen on my hands. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Me too. I got an 11-year-old. How old is yours? 12? Yeah, 12. Going on 35. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Yes. And hormones and all the things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I find myself saying to her, um, excuse me, ma'am. Why didn't you answer my cell phone when I called you? Come on. She, she was like, mommy, but this is my phone. And I said, excuse me. And she was like, never mind. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So definitely so, influenced how I raised her. Absolutely. What was, uh, you said, a Sweet Valley High, your college, Bentley University. W- yes. What, what drew you to Bentley? Tell me a little bit more about your experience there. Totally. So I had the good fortune of working for Simon & Schuster uh, in high school. In oh, the wow. I know. Cool, right? That's like, dope. I got, I got to write press releases and stuff envelopes about, you would lie, the product was Webster's Dictionary. Stop. So in addition to being a nerd, which I am, um, I got to learn to write in high school. I had a real job. with making real money. I mean, I thought I was big stuff. You hear me? Yes. Every two weeks, getting my nails done, like, I pay for this myself. Right. You know? Right. And this is the 90s. So, Bentley, like lots of colleges, sent out, you know, um, prospectus information to Mm -hmm. students. And because I was around paper so much, when I opened up their package, first of all, they had a customized uh, VHS tape for you to watch at at the time. And this is in the the mid-90s. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is all of their material was on 100% cotton paper. Oh, my goodness. If you know about cotton paper, you know that that's expensive. Yes. So I thought to myself, self. This school must have some money. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I applied. Mm-hmm. I did not know what I wanted to do. I did not know anything about business. I had not imagined myself to go to business school. I thought I'd be a teacher, which hilariously I am now. Right. Um, but I just knew that it something was there. And when I got in and my mom and I went up for the like Alana weekend for students of color. I mean, they had like shark, sauteed shark. Swordfish, Swordfish. Um, and then they had Caprizi salad. And my mom took one look around and looked at my financial aid package and said, um, I hope you like it here because this is where you're going. Wow. And that was the end of the conversation. So even if I didn't like it, that's where I would have ended up. And so um, Bentley was just like a really rich experience. I had, I, I count myself as from a working class family, mm-hmm. hadn't given much thought to wealth or what that meant because we had pretty much everything we needed. And when we didn't, my mom just like worked it out. Yeah. Um, but when I got to school was when I realized, oh, oh, people live differently than we do. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Entire royal family of Bahrain went to my school and are my classmates. What? All of them. 
and they just like bought all the houses around campus. Like these are like McMansions at the time. And I was like, I'm sorry, you said you, your daddy owns all three of the houses. Okay. Right. And just to really put a pin on it for you, Rashawn, the first summer uh, I was there, one of my classmates invited me to her home for the summer. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, my mom was like, you don't ask nobody for nothing. Right. You don't take hand out. You just keep your mask. So I went down to the travel agent because nothing was online then and went to go look up how much it would cost me to fly from New York to Bahrain. Mm-hmm. And $3,000 later, oh. I came back and said, oh, um, my mom said I can't go. Yeah. It didn't even occur to me that their family has a private uh, airline. Oh, pardon me. I'm, so, I'm my- sorry. I'm sorry. What'd you say? You're, you, I'm sorry, what? Excuse that me, didn't even excuse me. me. Something's going on oh. on the Skype. What, excuse me, what'd hey. you say? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Like, it didn't even occur to me that that would be the case. It didn't occur to her to offer because it wouldn't occur to her that I would go look. I mean, like, it was just a different type of life. And I think on the on the plus side, it allowed me to really aspire in a way that had not ever occurred to me before. You know, yeah. I grew up in a working class, work hard, go to church, do the work, work in the community, the end. Yeah. But on the negative side, it caused me to aspire in ways that I hadn't grown up aspiring for things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I stuff. Yeah. And so that was something that was really uh, instrumental in sort of having to balance that for the rest of my adult life. Yeah. But it was Greeks on campus. We had all the uh, white Greek organizations, um, but there were no Greeks on my campus at Re- all. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, this is a little bit earlier on in the conversation than I usually no, talk about sororities. Out. Let me jump into it. So were you instrumental in getting the, the, the Delta chapter on your campus? Uh, what was that process like? Were you instrumental in that? or uh, Absolutely no. Oh, okay. So even more ignorant, because I'm ignorant. Um, okay. I, was in, I was in a Delta program in Queens in high school. Okay. And so did the whole HBCU tour, mm-hmm. you know, was really inspired. And so all the women I saw who were Greek were grown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were just, they were just bad, right. but grown. And so I didn't have a real concept of what college life would be like. I just knew those women were dope and that's all I knew. Okay. Um, and so when I got to college and didn't see it, it didn't occur to me that there were things like, you know, citywide chapters or that like other schools had to share your chapter. Right. Okay. Okay. I get right. it. So I called myself marching into my then advisor's office and was like, we need to get a chapter started. I need to, I need help writing letters to this national office. And I think I probably wrote like, you know, a dozen letters to the national office, all of which went ignored uh-huh. as they should. Right. Um, because I didn't know, I didn't know better. It just, I just happened to ran into, um, I went to a party off campus, I think at MIT that year. And then I was like, Oh, Oh, there are the Greek people here. Oh. And I was like super awkward and like, Hey, hi. Um, I want to be one of you. Yes. <laughs> so what do I do to be one of you? They're looking at you like, huh? Exactly. <laughs> like I had like three heads instantly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. So go ahead. So, you know, I had to, you know, well, somebody uh, <clears throat> whispered in my ear, you might want to go to a program yeah. or two or three. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was so naive. Mind you, I am first in family to go to college. So um, my dad has 14 brothers and sisters. My um, youngest uncle is the first one to go. But then I have an older cousin who's second and I'm third. Mm-hmm. And okay. so um, out of like 50 something people, that's it at that time. Yeah. So I didn't have a real concept of what it meant to like kind of dig into this stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't know a thing about discretion. I, look, I knew nothing. <laughs> All you I knew is that you were in a great program when you were younger and you admired the women who put the program on. That's it. Yeah. That's now, it. And like, I want to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I got, got a little whisper, go to a program. And I remember saying like, there was like a huge step show in New England at the time um, for many, many years. And I remember close to the end of this first school year saying to myself, you know, I've gone to some things and folks are okay, but they're not that nice. Mm. And so I guess I will, I was like, whoever is the nicest to me, this is how naive I was. Didn't do a liquor research. Oh Whoever is the nicest to me is who I will pursue, join, whatever. Right? Like that right. was my like 17-year-old rationale. Yeah. And it just so happened that day that we won the step show. Mm-hmm. They won at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like in a pretty jubilant mood. And so we're super nice. Right. Everybody that day. And I was like, this works. You know? <laughs> I like them. They won the step show. They're nice. How do you do it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Wow, I'm so it's okay though. Everybody's story is different. It's 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 it's, it's how it is. It's what people see. People see and what resonates with them, you know. Um, so this was a city. Once you did it in 1999, this was a citywide um, undertaking. Citywide yeah, yeah. Okay. Citywide chapter. And so my sophomore year, you know, um, they had programs at all the different schools. So my charter at that time included my school, Bentley um, University. It included uh, Harvard, MIT, mm-hmm. Wellesley, Tufts, Leslie. Um, so just all of the the schools in Cambridge that were really just doing work. Um, Babson. Um, and so we just went to different programs at different schools and I was fortunate that I had a car. Okay. Because uh, I was at an outlier school. Bentley is not in Boston or Cambridge proper. It's in Waltham. Okay. Um, and so, which is a little bit outside the city. And so I was able to kind of get around, but trust me, if I didn't have a car, I probably would have just figured it out. Yeah, of course. Um, which is what you do. Yeah. And so that was pretty formative for me. And, um, you know, it was really it was a tough time because there were lots of young women from all these different campuses, you know, sort of vying for attention, showing up at every community service project, showing up at every party. Like, how do you, how do you look like pressed, but not impressed? Yes. Right, right, right. Oh, I know all about it. Yes. Not a soul is teaching you this stuff. And you have to like, just like watch social cues and sort of figure this stuff out. And I was really popular on my own campus. Yeah. And so I did not understand initially, like how to approach humility and how to like not walk in and take up air in the room. I mean, it was quite a humbling experience. I'm sure. (laughs) It's it's funny. I um one of my um, sores actually pledged like in a citywide situation in that. I think she went to uh what, what Harvard. What is it? What's up there? She did Lamb's Eye. Uh, uh, don't get me to lie. It was a citywide situation. Too. It sounds yeah. very sim- similar to yours. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. 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 There are only two. There's two for all of us. Well, for um, AKAs and for Deltas, there are two, one on each side of the river. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just have to, you have to just get in where you fit in. Okay. Get in where it was you fit a lot. In. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So after college, um, did you go directly to like a corporate situation? I know you went to investment banking right after college. And then you were like, this, when did you realize this isn't me? Or you know, did you? Was, I think I realized that this wasn't me like sophomore year of college. I got into a program called um, SEO, Sponsors for Educational Opportunity here in New York that exposed um, young people of color, particularly at that time, you know, tagged unrepre- unrepresented minorities. Now we, we call it different things now. Of course. Um, to work on Wall Street. And what I knew was those folks made a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And remember, I told you Bentley was formative. I started chasing things. Right. I got you. And so I went and uh, worked on the trading floor um, for J.P. Morgan before they were J.P. Morgan Chase. Okay. And then I got the opportunity before I did my MBA program to go to work for Bank of America in London to do equity research. Um, And so um, it just so happened that you're there. Everybody who got offered a job, which I was one of them, also got their job offers rescinded. And told, like, you could take this package, wait a year, and we might could have a job. Or you could just, like, not take the job and you're free to go. And I was like, I'm free! Right. And I went to grad school. And so coming out of grad school, I just realized, like, I don't want to wear, like, fly suits and shoes that no one will ever see. Because I never leave work. Yeah. I'm a little vain. Don't don't tell anybody I'm a little vain. It's a little bit. (laughs) It's okay. And I was like, these suits are so flat. No one sees anything. Um, and it was like really stuffy and it wasn't, and it, and it works. Like one of my line sisters is, you know, um, when it's investment banking, she's amazing at it. She's, you know, made manager partner. Like she's dope, right? That just wasn't my story. Mm-hmm. And when I came out to apply for marketing jobs, I either got like, oh, you're, you have more education than this marketing associate job is because you have your MBA. And then on the other hand, it's like, great, you have your MBA, but you have no experience. Right. So I was sort of stuck in that vortex and I had gone to college on a community service scholarship. Mm -hmm. I'd always been doing service, raising money. We raised so much money in college. It was ridiculous. Um, and so it just seemed like a natural thing to apply to nonprofit organizations, but I was just like applying wild and I don't even know how I got my first job. I don't remember applying for it to this day. I'm pretty sure because at 22, I was obnoxious that I applied for like a VP job. I was not qualified for. It's okay. Um, You were dreaming big. I was dreaming big. There you are. (laughs) Somebody had mercy on me. And I started out as a grant writer for a nonprofit organization and then quickly moved into like project management and looking at how 
programs and finances and funding come together. Um, And that's really sort of how I cut my my teeth in doing nonprofit work. So I was able to segue out, but it was literally because it just was in front of me. And I was like, well, here we are. And, you know, I didn't have any real intention, I don't think, in how I pursued it. Yeah, my goodness. I mean, serving is at the core of of, of who you are. So it only seems natural for you to to uh, have gone into that space and now in that space as well. You started serving as early as 13 and and, and raising money for school supplies for the children that you were tutoring. And your mom said helping people was a gift. Obviously, you got this from your hardworking parents. Yes, absolutely. Even to this day, um, I was doing something with my mom um, last week and I'm fussing with her because she's now retired and, you know, she's an amazing caterer. She's a chef teacher. Um, and she's now like our church's event planner. And I was like, mommy, you know, the, you know, the big churches pay people to do this. Like that's a full job. Yeah. Like, you are at work. And she's like, well, this church does not have the money for that, Kishana. We don't pay. I just do it for the love. And I was like, for the love. Yes. You're right, mom. And that's been like my whole life. Right. So, yeah. So it's pretty deeply ingrained, I think, in sort of like who I am and, yeah. and what I'm also teaching my daughter how to be. Absolutely. Know, up to her but how to be. That's foundational. Yeah, it really is. And I do the same thing. I talk to my daughters about giving all the time my my daughter actually wants to do a a fundraiser an art fundraiser because my niece uh, my nephew actually uh whose mom is one of your sores my sister-in-law her son did an art show and raised money for um um the amazing people in puerto rico and everything they've been through and raised fifteen hundred dollars off their art that he drew six years old and now she wants to do it but it's it's it starts early when you understand that giving is the rent you pay for living it really is yeah really really really, you know and for me you know I have an only child Mm -hmm. and so and I didn't grow up as an only child so it has been a real um like it's been a challenge for me to kind of not overcompensate yeah her not having siblings for me being divorced for us just being on our own and also to be able to instill like a really deep sense Mm -hmm. of knowing yeah you know I talked to her I think one of her spiritual gifts is discernment Mm-hmm. And I talk to her all the time about like how to really plug into that and how to be in tune with that and how to listen to that voice. Yeah. To do that in all the aspects of her strengths that I see, because I think it's so important because no matter how much good work we do as mamas, you know, this, they're going to show up how they show up. Yep. Yep. You know, they still become their I- own person. They do. They That's do. It. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, you mentioned your daughter's spiritual gifts. What are yours? You know, I'm still figuring this out. Actually, my prayer partner two weeks ago, and she's going to laugh when she hears this because she's like, I told you to do your homework. Um, She asked me, she was like, you need to really dig into what your spiritual gifts are. And I'm like naming other stuff. And she's like, ma'am, you need to look this up. So, Rashawn, I took this like really long test. Ah, that test. I I heard about that one. It was like 20 pages. Every time I thought I was finished, it was more. So, I think... Um, and, I, and for those folks who know, like, who can name all the spiritual gifts by heart, and you're like, Kashana, that is not one of the gifts. Just please send me a note and let me know what it actually is called. <laughs> so I think um, if I had to name a thing, it is the knowing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people say to me all the time and, and hilariously has been really tough for me in dating post-divorce mm-hmm. is that I can see through to them. Okay. That I'm able to just cut right to whatever it is mm-hmm. that they're dealing with, that they're hiding from, mm-hmm. that they're struggling with, you know, what the root is, not the symptom. And I can do that so early on that it's almost Scary. like disconcerting. Yeah. And so people don't come to me unless they want to know. <laughs> what wow. It is. So like, is oh, that like clairvoyant? Like what did like? No. Oh, Lord, I'm not clairvoyant. I don't think. I just think that when folks are talking, I'm actually really listening. Okay. And watching. Okay. And then I'm like, mm, you know, what I really hear that's going on is A, B, C, and D. Does that feel closer to how you're really feeling? And mm-hmm. like, get away from me. Right. You know, so I think that that's one of the things that for me really stands out. Yeah. Um, and then I think another thing, if this falls into the gifts category, Lord, <laughs> is that I'm able to engender trust with people really, really quickly. Yep, me too. Are we kindred spirits? Hello, who's this? Hey, come on, girl. I'm, I'll take it. Take okay. it for five hundred <laughs> Um, you know, so for me, it's like people who gravitate to my energy gravitate because, 
Um, they need that space and that peace. They want that type of joy that folks say that I give out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, since I can't see myself, you know, you can't see the color of the paint when you're in the can, right? Right. Um, I'm not always sure how I show up, but I show up as myself every day. So I think that my energy draws people in. And so whatever they are seeking, um, those the folks who are seeking come to me in some way, shape or form. So I've had to learn and continue to try to actively practice how to protect my energy, which hasn't always worked. Oh, my God. Hello. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Can I please tell you something? I just I literally just wrote down last Friday because I've got to like it's too many energies, so many energies around me. And as a cancer, like I'm, I really like take on other people's energy, but I have to protect mine and that is one of the challenge not challenges that's one thing that I have to like really be intentional about because I want to take care of everybody and everything and I take on everything but it's too much energy for my own brain to even comprehend to do me absolutely and I feel um guilty and I still struggle with that that's one of the things that you know in the work that I do now and even in my personal life um, when I stepped out into running my own business full time with no net a couple of years, two years ago, um, two years ago this year, I did not realize that I had FOMO so bad. Yeah. Like I fear missing out in ways that really just like even disturbed me a point. I had to be like, Kashana, can we talk? You know, <laughs> and so the the need to be a good friend, um, the need to show up for folks, the desire to say yes. And not necessarily from a pleasing perspective, but because that's how I am. I show up. Yeah. Um, the fact that I have, and I wrote about this recently, I have failed that over and over and over to the point where I have to like occasionally make disclaimers that say, I know I've said no to the last 13 things you've invited me to, but please continue to invite me. Yeah. It's not you, you know, like, so putting myself first. Yes has been a struggle for me to do. My God. And so I've had to enlist accountability partners whose sole purpose in life is to tell me, put yourself first. And if they hear that I'm not doing it, they get me together. Man. I don't feel confident that I'm able to protect my energy in a way that feels healthy to me because it'll be like feast and famine, right? Which I'm like, it's sort of like, get out of my face or you're so exhausted that your body has literally put you in bed and that's the only way you get any protection. Let like, me tell you, can I, can yeah. I, girl, if you, oh, that's how I feel like today. I feel like that, like at this moment. And it's crazy because, you know, when people see you, especially with the platform that I'm on, people see yeah. you and like you come out and you smile, you got these pretty clothes on, but like, you're like, I just want a bed, you know, any moment now, let me just get somebody's bed. You know, it's, you know, we, we yeah. suffer. Sometimes you suffer in silence because you try to be so many things to so many people that you're, you leave yourself empty. Absolutely. And then that, that has happened to me more times than I can count. Yeah. And particularly, um, you know, I, I got divorced when I was 30. Okay. I married my college sweetheart. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. I did not date in my 20s, period. At all. So this is somebody mm-hmm. who I was best friends with in college. You know, uh, we pledged one right after the other. So we were like dumb tight. We had, you know, when we got divorced and we had to look at like our Facebook connections. I was like, oh my God, we have 350 people to get, you know, in common. Like I got some friends in a divorce. You know what I mean? But it's a long time to get to a place where I could even have the conversation about like the space and stuff I needed because I was so wrapped in the life that I thought I was supposed to have. Imagine stepping into dating, for example, for the first time at 31. Yeah. But when I went on my first grown up date, I stood in front of, I lived in California. I moved to California after I got divorced and I lit, I I stood in front of the door of the restaurant and Mm -hmm. put my hands down in front of me and looked and the poor gentleman looked at me and I looked at him and he looked at me confused. And I looked back at him uh-huh. perplexed and we just sort of stared at each other. And then eventually he was like, oh, and opened the door. Oh, my God. And that was like the entree into welcome to being single in your 30s, Kish. Get into it, you know. Wow. Um, and so I had to learn then and, and keep practicing over and over again how to like reveal your expectations, reveal your standards. And this is for love relationships, for friendships, for business relationships, and to continually try to practice how to protect the most important relationship, the one between you and God. And and for me, I'm a Jesus girl. So for folks who don't believe, if you believe in spirit, tree hugging, yourself, 
verse, whatever it is, I'm into it. Um, but for me, like that was something that was really, really important, but was a really hard won lesson and showed up really, really um, in scary ways when I, when I started working for myself because I would just get sick all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? like just like, like sick, like physically sick? Physically sick. Like two... This, not this past winter, because this past winter, I made it in two weeks. I was so excited. I expected it. So I was like, I'm only going to be down for five days, five days. Um, but the first year, I was literally in bed for three weeks hmm. with like the flu so bad. Like, who gets the flu three times in one winter season with a flu shot? Like, this is not normal. So what was it? What 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 was it? What, help me figure out yeah. why you were getting sick. I think it was because I came from like a high stress job, but a job where I was on the go with a heavy routine. So I was like at the Pilates studio. I was exercising whatever hotel I stayed in. I was on the go with the kiddo when I came home. Huge social life. I never sat down. I barely sat in front of my computer. Um, And so even when I had to work, I was like hustling to get stuff done because I was so on the go with the organization. And then I I completely transitioned to having an at-home business where I sat in front of my computer for hours and hours and hours on end all the time yeah and i was going out as much because of course you know you i jumped into my venture you know lots of people have all these plans get your side hustle team get your full time i did nothing i cut the cord and i was out um and so i was stingy (laughs) with my time (laughs) i was paying a lot to learn you know the tuition of starting your own business is real high yeah um and so i wasn't taking care of myself but it happened in small pieces first Mm -hmm. pilates Pilates is a very luxurious exercise. I want to tell you, it's very expensive. I love, I love Pilates though. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I was, and so the first, that was a luxury that felt like to me they had to go. I didn't know it was a necessity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing was going out socially. And then the next thing was this. And then like little by little, I pulled away from the routine that had pretty much kept me going for a really long time. And I didn't replace it with anything that was healthy. Okay. And so I stopped and I gained probably like 30 pounds just sitting at my desk, not even eating bad. Mm -hmm. Like I used to drink green smoothies and still gain 30 pounds. Like this is something that's not right. Yeah. Um, And I just wasn't taking care of myself and I wasn't acknowledging that I wasn't taking care of myself. And because I was essentially like sort of hiding in the house, I, nobody was there to say to me like, Hey, Kish, um, you know, and all my parents wanted to know was, I'm sorry, are you getting a job? Like, of course. They're like, what do you mean starting your own business? What is doing what? Helping other people get money for their nonprofit? How do you get paid? What are you talking about? What what is happening here? Right, exactly. Yeah. There's no health insurance. What? You know, like, what is happening? So I think it just happened like a creep little by little over time. And I was not giving my body rest. I was up and sleeping two and three hours a night at most. Um, You know, and so I just was on all the time, not producing in a way that actually showed the amount of hours I was awake but not giving my body time to rejuvenate and to do the things it needed to do mentally or physically to be at my best. And I didn't have any accountability. You know, the little kid was like, so I said, mom, are you going to have another piece of cake? Oh, we're baking again. Oh, she was like sort of, you know, she's like lightweight kid shady. Right. Uh, Oh, you're going to get more coffee again. All right. You know, like it'd be like that kind of stuff. But other than that, I had nothing. So I looked up and I was sick. So All I had to get time, it together. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had to get it together. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so um, I-, I heard that you've been called a philanthropic fairy godmother. <laughs> so, I mean, you get the people the good money. Um, that's, you know, one of the many things that your company does. But uh, what is it that you do for nonprofits that has made you su- so successful and then the people that hire you so successful? Yeah, you know, for me, it has been pretty simple. Like, I believe so deeply that organizations and companies alike are powered by amazing people. Yes. And we don't put enough resources, whether it's financial resources, whether it's professional development, whether it's skill, whatever it is, into those folks to make sure that they feel invested in such a way that they stay. Mm-hmm. And so I really focus on helping organizations and the professionals who run them grow by growing their skills, growing the teams that they lead or manage, and then growing their revenue in whatever way that looks for them. Yeah. And oftentimes fundraising challenges are actually leadership challenges. 
And that's what I found over and over again. When I got underneath the hood of that car, it had nothing to do with the fact that your oil was bad. It was like, throw the whole thing away and start again because we had not spent enough time working on making sure folks weren't drowning in their jobs Mm -hmm. or they actually were in the right type of role and you understood what that meant and you looked at what strategy is for your organization or your company and then how that strategy comes alive in terms of implementation. And we like to use lots of fancy words. I'm a strategic fill in the blank. I'm a strategist about so-and-so. Most of us are just talking about tactics. Mm -hmm. So I decided to use all of the learnings and the lumps that I got being a woman of color in a C-suite role for my whole career. It's a very unique position that I started out on a senior management team. And every role I had since then was on that senior management team. That those learnings to be able to show managers and show leaders, here's how you get your folks to really activate so that they will operate at the highest level of their skill and work. Here's how to identify these gaps so you can get to the revenue you need. And here's how to put your mission in action in a way that doesn't burn you out. Oh. And here's how to know if you're full of it and you should just close up shop. Let's be honest. Some folks don't need to run a thing. Man, let me tell you something. We need to have a uh, conversation offline. I mean, I've had a nonprofit <laughs> since 2006. And uh, you were, we're in that process of needing someone like you to help us, you know, Take us to the next level, you know, Absolutely, best practices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one thing that I'm happy that you're doing is love letters to my soul wars. Please talk about this amazing project and how we can partner. Like I am in love with this and I just want to know more. And I know the cool Sword collective, they're very eager to find out more as well. I'm so excited. So, okay. So Love Letters to My Sores really came about because one of my sores, we were riding, riding around in the car last summer with the top down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I tease her about this all the time. She's a younger sore. She got in the front of the car and they're waiting outside my house to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And so I get come out of my house and I look at the front of the car and look at the back seat, look at the front, look at the back seat. Sores know what I'm talking about. Y'all know. Um, and I said, <laughs> oh, oh, you want me to get in the back? Okay. Let me go on and get in the back. All right. And I got in the back and I tapped her right. shoulder and I said, so you, you wanted me to get in the back of the car. And she goes, I knew he was going to say that. I knew I should have got out the car. I was like, right. oh, did you? Right. I was just questioning the home training. But all right, you're going to leave that alone. So you're going to oh, so, let me get in the back. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I just love you, girl. I just, she was like, you just love on us all the time. It's okay, kid. She was like, you should write a love letter to us. I was like, oh, like love letters to my sorrows. And then everybody who knows me knows I have everything about any thought I could have in my phone. Like I always write it in notes. And so I wrote it down. Mm -hmm. So I sat down in the fall to actually pen a business book. And my quirky way of thinking is I wrote the title and then I started to write the thank yous. Mm -hmm. And I realized as I was writing out all the thank yous that every person that I thanked who was a woman was a member of either my organization or another who I had known for years and years, who literally have helped me through every aspect of my life. Wow. Without exception. Right. And I said, oh, man, there is something there. Yes. So Love Letters to My Soror started out as like a passion project, right? I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Then I said, wait a minute. I bet there are so many women who have a story about how their soror or their sister grief has literally rocked them in the best way, literally rocked you in the arms, rocked them, got them off their feet, push, pull them. There probably some pain there. Let's talk about it because sisterhood is not all roses. Ma'am, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> which I'm finding out with the submissions when folks are sending me DMs like, so, hey, Kish, um, it's taken me two weeks to get a paragraph out. I didn't realize I was in so much pain. Come through with the stories. Okay. All of it. I mean, literally, I thought from the woman who almost didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. They almost didn't make that line. They didn't make undergrad. They didn't, they'd move 57 times. And so they'd miss every alumni line. Yes. And finally, somebody whispered a word and they were able to make it. There's a story there, right? Yes. Or yes. the person who y'all know y'all, y'all are acting out and, and your beef is 25 years old. You don't even remember what the beef is about, but the feeling remains. Yes. It is time to say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. Oh my you know, like for us as moms, 
writing letters to our daughters and for sorors who don't have daughters yet or who are a legacy about what life is like and how this has been transformative for you and what you wish for them as they think about who they want to be when they grow up, right? Like being able to write that letter to my legacy. And if we get real crunk, for all those of us who have specials or specials, yes, yes, those, yes. Who, those special relationships that literally have held us down Man. and really fortified who we are as women, um, that when was the last time you turned to them and said, girl, I thank you. Yes. And if we all remember when we were kids, most of us have had an experience where somebody said, do we go together? Yes, no, check here. Uh-huh. We loved the good love letter when we were little. And anybody who's like traveled abroad, had a boo who was in the service, did a long distance love pen pal. It used to get giddy when you got those letters in the mail and when you were putting your own in the mail. And I thought to myself, you know, if you don't understand what Greek life is like because you haven't been in it, all you get to see are scandal. Yes. News reports. Yep. Ratchetness they had to yank off the real reality TV. Yep. The Instagram posing yes. and stroke strutting or whatever you call it, whatever part of country you're in. You don't get the depth of the community service we do. And frankly, you don't get the depth of how we handle joy or pain. Man. And I said, this could transform some people's lives, period. Man, let me tell you something, Kish. It's because I see that's your nickname and I'm going to start yeah. calling you that because we're friends now. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you have, you will help so many people with this project because like you said there was a young girl I just met last week she's like I really want to be an AKA and I'm just like thinking in my head like God I hope you get to the right chapter that treats you right that does everything right for you you know what I mean that's my first thought a prayer in your own mind right? yes <laughs> because you never know what someone's ex- you know what our founders wanted it to be yes, but it ain't yeah. but when you get down to the nitty gritty everybody's experience is different but you wish for those young girls that want to be like you, if they want to be whatever, you just yeah. want it to be right. And you don't want, you want their vision right. of yeah. this beautiful thing that they see from the outside. You don't want them not to attain that love. But yeah. not. But almost five times out of ten, it could be it could be the latter and they don't get the love. Exactly. And it shouldn't be a 50-50 proposition. It should not. Not when there are. If I, I think if I did the rough, dirty math, there's probably over a million of us between our four D9 organizations. And that doesn't even count um, regional organizations, right, um, right. other women-focused organizations that have sisterhood as a tenant um, that really help to fortify, but also bring a hell of a lot of pain. Yes. I mean, one of the things that I've seen, I've done some lives um, and I'm like, I keep asking all my sister Greeks, can you, this is not a Delta project. I wanted to say that I happen to be a Delta. Thank you, Holly. But it's for us all. This yes. is our letter to each other. Yes. And so mm-hmm. when I do lives, one of the things that one of the lives I did, Asora told me, she said, Kashana, let me tell you how to save my life. This saved my life because there was a year where I lost my job. I was losing my condo and I was losing my car. And I had this public image of fabulousness and my whole life was falling apart so much so that I decided to take my life oh my god and my decision was so made that I had the pills sitting on the dresser here's the caveat two years before I had a falling out with my line so I hadn't spoken to any of them really in the last two years and as I sat at my bedside about to take these pills The phone rang and it was one of my line sisters that called to say something told me It's on video. Something called me, told me to call you right now. What you doing? And she said, well, I'm getting ready to take my life. Nice to talk to you. And she said, you stay right there on that phone. And that particular line sister lived out of state. Within 30 minutes, boom, 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 boom. Somebody at the door. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Something's happening here. Here we are. Past done beef over in that moment of crisis you just show up you don't even ask questions that's when you, the phone ring and you know Rashawn, you just start putting on your clothes before yep. you, you fully answer ready grabbing your key you're gone got a phone call from one of my lines last weekend like you need to do this to tell him to do wet because i'm done and exactly. i was like okay call you right back call right back exactly and you're on it you're like hey hey i'm calling right yeah so that is a real story and it's all the all the letters and stories don't have to be don't, don't have to have that level of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But 
I also have some sister Greeks, one of the AKA who told me um, that her line sister suffered from mental illness for pretty much their whole life. And they knew it, but they didn't know how to handle it. And they had to figure out how to help her walk through when she finally had that breakdown so they could walk her back up. Wow. You know, and literally walk her through that, that mess. But then there's the joyous stuff too, right? There's the stuff about when people get jobs and they have yeah. babies. and it, So it's not just pain, but right. it's also... But, you know, then I had somebody who submitted a letter the other day that talked about the fact that you took my man in college and I stopped talking to you because of it for 20 years. Oh. Maybe that wasn't right. Wow. This is good. And so, you know, so it just really spans the gamut. I have a childhood friend who's a SGRO. We grew up in the same church. She came from Jamaica when she was eight. I, you know, I'm first generation, but we're all West Indian in our church family. We went to schools in close proximity to each other. Um, when we're sans and the same number. Wow. And when she came and introduced and said, Hey, you go, I said, Hey now, what? And she has been a shining example for her organization from the day she was made. She has mm-hmm. like charted, I can tell you, probably like a dozen chapters at least in New England and has been such a good friend. Dope mama, dope chiropractor, all of that. Oh, I need so, her for the Pagoo Sword podcast. Send yeah, information okay. over. Yes. Oh, she's, she's phenomenal. Um, Jody is phenomenal. And so just like, I have just had the privilege of knowing and that's just, I'm just a one little person. And so I said, imagine that times hundreds of thousands. And if you think about the way I'm going to do this project, if you think about how Chicken Soup for the Soul works, yeah. once we get this first book done, I'm coming back for an AKA only edition. Right. And then I'm coming back for a Delta only and yes. a Zeta and yes. Ashiro only. Because let me tell you what, I think once this catches and people are like, oh, the book is out. Oh, I want to write a letter. Come on, submit it. Yes. There's yes. so much richness. And to your point earlier about the young woman who approached you about becoming AKA, I want this to be the kind of thing that we have in college bookstores, in Barnes and Nobles, on Amazon, mm-hmm. that in addition to our history books and what you can Google, people can see and experience real live stuff. Real, yes. I'm so glad you're doing this. And I just, let me, let me take a moment as we wrap yeah. up. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank oh. you because... I'm at a point with my podcast where I was needed to take a break. I'm so overwhelmed, but this interview has done so much for me. Don't make me cry. Don't make me cry. Please don't. Lord. This is the type of stuff that I want to continue to do. And I thank you so much, sis, for bringing, um, just bringing me back to life. I needed this. I needed this conversation. I needed this interview to keep going. To keep going. So I thank you so much for just your transparency for what you are doing. Um, not only in the lives of your sores, but Greek sisters everywhere. And um, I'm just grateful for this conversation for so many ways that I can't even put into words right now. Thank you. I'm glad. I am so appreciative. I am humbled. I'm honored by that. I am so excited to read your letter. I would love you to contribute oh. Yes, girl. I want to be on your live whenever we get together. I yes. want to do all oh, of that. that so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because I, I, I literally just did an interview with the HBCU podcast, and the woman who is the host is one of my stores, and she asked about AKA, and I, you know, I had to like, you know, go into my truth, and my greatest joy was bringing in the next line because I did not want to repeat the cycle that had happened to me. You and I are living the exact same life. God is doing amazing work in us. I'm trying to tell you, this is yeah. the the way that our brave our brain uh, wavelengths are linked up here. Uh, this is the beginning of something. I don't know what, but Absolutely. it's the beginning of something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I see it already just like vivid in my mind. Yeah. I'm grateful for just the opportunity for us to share time and space. You know, it is so important. And the way you feel about this right now, Rashawn, this means so much to me because I did a live um, probably in the beginning of April where I, I didn't expect to cry. Like I'm not really a big public crier, but I was like, I'm about to quit this whole project. I hate it. <laughs> I was like, no one is submitting letters. What's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, you got it. You know, like, going. I was just like, this thing is hard. I am by myself. People imagine I had this huge company. I'm like, no, I'm a solopreneur, which is like a really small team that I'm growing, but it's just me, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it was really overwhelming. And so I think the challenge and the blessing in both of those things is knowing that God's timing is perfect, but it is not our timing. So where I thought 
I can get this whole bad boy done in three months. I was like, here we go, 12 weeks, here's the plan. I'm going to have hundreds of thousands of letters. We're going to have a hard time picking. And instead, I was like, oh, oh, I have to talk to people about this letter? Oh, I have to walk you through how to write it? Because you're like, write a letter. You know, like all the things that kind of came with it. So I'm giving it the the breathing room it needs. But to be able to have all of our D9 sisters to contribute, to tell their truths, to talk to me offline, yes. if they feel like their story might be something that might stir up some stuff, because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to put no triggers. Exactly. I was very careful, right? No, but what I will tell, so for everybody who is listening, if you have a story, because, you know, lots of us did some underground, lots of us did some stuff. I know the biz. I understand. Talk to me directly because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the truth of what you want to say comes out without the fear that saying your truth is going to bring um, is going to bring unnecessary. I don't know if he's not the right word. Unnecessary attention in a way that you would not desire. Right, right. And so I think that I feel very gifted to be able to do that. And so do not let that stop you from saying, "Kish, hey." So I have this thing I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we do that, then I'll be able to start really focusing on doing the video project because I want to do a docu film of this work because I just think that there are stories that just need to be told. Oh my god! And told our. Yeah, let's talk offline. We, I mean, it's amazing the type of kindred, I mean, kindred spirit and kindred thought that we have. It's, it's, it's. This is not a mistake. I, I just, I believe that. I just believe that this is not a mistake. So, if there are people who are interested in uh, writing a love letter to their sores, what do they need to do? It is so simple, y'all. Go to www dot At the top left-hand side, you'll see submit your love letter. You click on that. It immediately takes you to why we're doing the project, the 12 categories you can pick from. So I got something for everybody. If you have something that you don't feel fits, then you put your own. You can do your release right there and upload it and bada bing, you're done. And so the best way to do this letter for folks that I have found from folks who I've talked to is if you're not a writer, but you're a talker, voice notes in your phone, let it record and type out for you. Then you'll be able to edit it um, when you write it because it'll already be written. Yeah. Like just, just talk, just do it. Yes. Uh, make Keep it simple. Don't overthink it. Whatever your first mind is on your letter, let it rip. Um, it's a thousand word maximum. Don't worry about that. Just write what you want to write and we will do the editing and stuff on our end. And so you don't have to worry about that at all. So we make it as easy as possible for you to engage and if letter writing is not your jam but you want to contribute to the project there's an opportunity to be one of our love letters to my sorors investors um also on the website and just click on give and that's it golly that is good (laughs) that is so good i'm so very proud of the work that you are doing not only with uh you know women across this world but your philanthropic work being a mother that you are, I mean, just being a beautiful spirit. And I am so happy that this happened on this day at this time. This is when it was supposed to happen. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Absolutely. Ah, Kashana Palmer, everybody, you are just super fabulous, honey. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. I'm Kashana Palmer, CEO of Kashana & Co. and author of Love Letters to My Sorors. And I'm one cool soror of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Ooh.